Legal Conversations. Let's welcome a team guest who's a candidate attorney at Adams and Adams, Uyanda Mabuya. Uyanda, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening, Patricia. Thank you for having me on once again. How are you? I am tired. <laughs> That's the absolute <laughs> truth. Uh, but I'm glad I, I, I'm going to be able to make it for the next two hours of this uh, day. How are you doing, Rianne? Oh, I can't complain on my side. Festive spirits are, are going up and low on my side. So <laughs> oh, I, guess, I guess I can concur with how you've been feeling recently. <laughs> lucky you when the festive season has hit you and the spirit is in you uh, i think you're in a good spirit so uh, but you're still working you're still pinning down some very good um you know articles and we are talking today about you know some hindrances that parents who are infertile are facing when it, it comes to their parent choices or how they want to conceive choices. Um, talk to us about what inspired this uh, article that you, you penned down, Duyand. Well, um, simply put, Patricia, what really inspired this article, and it's not the first of its kind, but it's, it's mainly because, you know, we have, this, we have this case that was decided by the Constitutional Court um, with regards to Section 294 of the Children's Act, 38th of 2005, and what really sparked my interest in this in this matter is simply how this section effectively prejudices, you know, couples who um, 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 are unable to, you know, carry a pregnancy to full term, or in other events, couples who are both in, where both uh, members are infertile, or even worse, if a single person who is infertile wants to enter into a surrogacy agreement. But because there's a genetic link requirement in terms of this act, it's, technically speaking, unlawful to do so. So I just really thought it's, it's a topic we really need to shine a light on and can, hopefully improve. Oyanda, can you explain in depth what exactly this uh, section of law says uh, around, around um, you know, conception? Okay, no problem. Um, so essentially what Section 294 provides for is that when um, when we want to conclude a valid surrogacy agreement, one of the requirements is that the prospective child, which you want to conceive, needs to have a genetic link to at least one of the commissioning um, parents, i.e. the parents who you know are, are going to be looking after the child throughout the duration of their lifetime. So this section provides for a valid um, surrogacy agreement in three instances where if it's a conventional couple, i.e. a man and a woman, that both of them have, con- have contributed an egg and a sperm towards the conception of the child, or where one of these spouses is unable, whether for biological or medical reasons, to contribute their own gametes, then the other commissioning parent has to contribute. Or if it's a case of a same-sex couple, then at least one of those partners has to contribute. But then last but not least, is that if the commissioning parent is a single person, they have to provide their gametes. Now, the problem with this act is that if, let's say, it's a man and a woman, and they are both unable to provide a gamete, and the woman is unable to um, carry a pregnancy to full term for medical or, bi- or biological reasons, then they are unable to, to, to contribute their gametes, and therefore they would need donor gametes in order to enter into a surrogacy agreement. However, you know, um, conceiving a child through the use of um, double donor gametes 
currently isn't allowed in terms of the act. And even worse is if it's a case of a single person, and that's the only damage you can contribute. But if you're infertile and you're single, you're unable to contribute any gametes. And you'd have to use donor gametes that, like I just said, that's not allowed in terms of the act. Now, this act seems to be excluding um, quite a huge part of our society, and that's those mm. who cannot conceive for whatever reasons. Um, how did we end up here, and is there anything that can be done to stand up for those who say, look, I, I want to conceive? There is someone who's willing uh, to be a donor, but we don't or I don't have uh, the necessary gamut. Well, to answer your question quite briefly, um, the reason why we're at this point in, in the law is simply because, and I referred to it in the article, there was a case known as AB and another versus a Minister of Social Development. And just to give you a brief summary, this is a woman who had several IVF cycles, which were all unsuccessful. And by the time she considered surrogacy as a viable option to, to have a child of her own, you know, she was in her 50s already, she couldn't um, provide, she didn't have any viable gametes to contribute, and she was unable to, to, to carry a pregnancy to full term. And essentially what the Constitutional Court decided as the highest court in the land was that, you know, even though she brought the matter to, to the court on the ground that it violated her rights to equality and reproductive autonomy, um, essentially the court stated that this act was not discriminatory, reason being the main purpose of the section was to ensure that a child knows its genetic origins. And um, that's the decision regarding this area of law as it stands. If I was going to be perfectly frank with you, the best solution at the moment is, once again, um, we need to have a... We need, the courts need to provide a clear path or a clear avenue of interpretation on, on, on what to do with regards to this area of law uh, in order for us to you know, have any viable remedy at this point. Mm. Sure, Uyanda. So in, in this particular case, um, is this law applicable everywhere in the world or is it only in South Africa? Um, if you wouldn't mind, just to clarify your question, do you mean... So, so, to... so this particular act, right, the Children's Act 38 of 2005, um, yes. does it happen everywhere in the world? Is it similar? Or is it only South Africa that has this particular act? Um, generally at the moment, uh, from what I can see, I, I think South Africa is, is, is still quite behind the world. I, I, I just know that, you know, when it comes to, you can't have you know, the point is that you can't have two, um, you can't have double donor conception, you know. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, I think South Africa is one of the few countries that still follows this. But, you know, I suggest you, you, you read up or just, just to clarify it any further. <laughs> now, here's, here's a, um, a comment from one of our A-teamer, Avi Tlagova, who's in Adelaide, who says, I'm no attorney nor a law practitioner. However, I know that uh, when it comes to surrogacy laws in the country, there's a long red tape and stigmatization from our society. And, and yeah, maybe it's because we don't really understand it, but if the law is also not on the side of those who Wanted, sure. Um, it becomes even more difficult, Rianne. 
Absolutely, Patricia. But um, you know, already, if you if you analyze this carefully, the fact that people have to consider surrogacy, it's more or less just a last resort at this point because you know if 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 you know conceiving through natural means doesn't work, then you have to use you know IVF, and that means going to a fertility clinic, and that's you know that's a very um, expensive route to take. So already using surrogacy, you're not doing it out of luxury. You're doing it because essentially biologically or even for medical reasons, it's just it's just not safe to either have a pregnancy or you're just unable to, to have a normal pregnancy. And it, it's, it's really an area of law that needs to be further refined in South Africa because there are other issues um, with regards to, you know, donors, etc., but yeah, I think I think we'll be able to improve uh, in the near future, most mm. definitely. So there is hope for the future, and uh, that hope for the future is something that I think we should be looking out for. Um, so in your article, what is it that you suggest around the moral argument for change? Um, with regards to the moral argument for change, and I know this is a, a, a word or a proverb that many South Africans have heard throughout their lifetimes, regardless of their cultural background. But then what I wanted to do in order to make it more relatable to us, I just used, for example, the African proverb of Ubuntu. And what we know about it is that essentially it's the, at the core of this value is a harmonious, or, or a harmonious relationship between all persons within a society. And, you know, there's not actually a lot of African literature that says that in order to have a harmonious relationship with someone, there needs to be a biological relation with them. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is that for people to be, you know, good parents, to raise a child in a nurturing and protective and supporting household, you don't necessarily have to be their biological parents in order to do that. We all know people who perhaps grew up in a household where they weren't uh, biologically related to either both or one of their parents, but they still ended up being well-rounded human beings. And essentially, the law is still at that point where they're saying a child has to have a genetic relation to its parents in order for it to be able to bond with them or in order for its best interests to be protected because that's the whole purpose of the Children's Act, to protect the child's best interests. But if you just look at, if you just use the value of Ubuntu and you apply it to South Africa, a biological relationship doesn't necessarily guarantee that a person will be raised properly. And conversely, not having a biological relationship to your child doesn't necessarily mean that they will suffer any harm. If they're raised well, they will be raised well, regardless of your biological relationship to them. Very true, very true. Let's wrap it up here, uh, Uyanda, so that you can continue the festivities. I'm sure you've been enjoying <laughs> yourself. <laughs> but uh, what are your closing comments? Uh, my closing comment yeah. is that, you know, um, from from what I've seen so far, unfortunately, I don't have the details, but there is a case that's more or less of this nature. So you can look at it as the successor to the AB case that's actually proceeding to the Constitutional Court. And it's, you know, regarding a lady who wants to enter into a surrogacy agreement, but she can't carry the child to full term and she doesn't have viable gametes and the husband himself is unable to provide any gametes. And so they're just basically trying to challenge and fix them. But I honestly believe even if, and although we're opening Pandora's box at this point, um, if, if, if you really want to protect the child's best interests and you want them to know their parents, 
unfortunately, in this AB case, there's a bit of a contradiction because the Children's Act doesn't allow you to know um, your biological parents if they if they donated gametes, essentially, because that's all anonymous. Mm, mm. So it's really it's a really tricky area of law, and unfortunately, South Africa is one of the few countries that doesn't provide for open identity gametes donation. So that's something that really has to be clarified in our court sooner rather than later. Sure. And if a couple or individual is facing the same, um, can they come to Adams and Adams to get assistance? Well, absolutely. We've got we've got very um, you know skilled attorneys who who are who are knowledgeable in this area of law, and you know I've had the pleasure of working with some of them. And yes, most definitely they should they should come this side. <laughs> Excellent. Can you give us uh, contact details for Adams and Adams? Um, yes, the contact details, you can contact us on the telephone number 012-432-6000. And I don't know if I should also give up my email address. Go ahead. Just for safety. <laughs> um, so my email address is uyanda, so U-Y-A-N-D-A dot M-A-B-O-E-A at adams.africa. Thank you so very much, Rianda. Always a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your uh, festive season. Stay safe and uh, keep educating us. Thank you very much, Patricia. Enjoy yourself and enjoy your festivities on your side. <laughs>